You are tuned into the Fox Motorsport Supercars podcast. But just before kickoff, I'd love to alert you all about a brand new product on the Fox Sports Podcast Network, The Splash. Hosted by myself, Phil Pryor, it's a short, sharp, Monday to Friday production looking at the Fox Sports website's major headlines, stories, and part of the process too. Please search and subscribe. That's The Splash on iTunes and also Spotify now. Thanks for your attention. Now time for the show. This is the Fox Motorsports Supercars Podcast with your host, the Pit Lane Rogue. Welcome to the latest edition of the Fox Motorsport Supercars podcast. Uh, wrapping up all the action from uh, from Phillip Island on the weekend. Uh, joined today by Will Dale from foxsports.com.au. Welcome, Will. Hello, hello. Uh, and again, also Lewis Isaacs, fr- freelance motoring journalist. Hi, everybody. And joined today, we have a special guest, one of the most stylish men in, in pit lane, bar none, Michael Caruso from... Uh, Welcome. Thank you very much, and what a um, what a way to be introduced into the show as the most <laughs> one of the most stylish personalities in pit lane. That's um, that's special. I oh, know. Well, I was going to say it's uh, you and uh, Dean Fiore are two of the most stylish men, and to, to pair you guys up, it's uh, it is a sight to behold. Tour de force. Well, that's dangerous though. Because, I mean, it could be a good thing or a bad thing, as in you know, either pit lane's not very stylish at all. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we just hold ourselves to a high standard, I don't know. First place is still first place. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I think it's definitely a high standard. Um, Well, let's smash straight into it. Phillip Island, um, wow, what a weekend. It was two races that were, I would would say, weren't completely spectacular, but there was a lot of storylines that come out of it. That's a bit harsh. They They were pretty... Enjoyable to watch. They were te- they were tense affairs. There wasn't sure. heaps of action going on, but there was a lot of times where you're just waiting for something that was about to happen. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Uh, what did you think, Michael? I mean, it was one of your best uh, performances for a for a while, and I mean that with no disrespect, but you know you were close to or you know close to the podium on Sunday, and had it been not for your issues on Saturday, you probably would have been the same. Yeah, look, um, it was an interesting weekend, and I think for, for many reasons. But, look, we're always going to get races that um, don't produce, I guess, you know, pass lots of passing and, uh, I guess, lots of dramatic things happening. But um, the one on the weekend, the way I saw it, was it was a very technical race. It was probably uh, a race that um, showed some team strengths and weaknesses, and, and particularly at a track like Phillip Island, uh, that those fast flowing corners um, qualifying was clearly a uh, you know a key factor in uh, you know how you were going to perform in the weekend and we saw that in both days so uh, for us it was good to get back in uh, in the top ten obviously having our best result of the year I mean we had a bit of a rough one in Tassie but um, we started off the year obviously with a, a top ten at Adelaide and and then obviously running around the top ten again at AGP so happy to um, you know, get some more good results. But like you said, the little issue on Saturday probably cost us a good opportunity to have a crack at a podium. So um, ultimately, uh, we go away with uh, with a good result on the Sunday and hopefully we can, uh, you know, in, in a week's time at Perth, make it happen again. So what was that issue on the Saturday morning in qualifying? Was it was there actual an, an engine issue or was it just electrical? Uh, so it was just, basically it was a wire uh, had rubbed through uh, in the car and, 
um, you know, one of those Dick Johnson quotes when a, you know, 30 cent piece of material or part um, fails. And uh, unfortunately, that did, that was enough to see us out for the session. Ouch. Yeah, hurt. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've really been one of the, yeah, the, the fastest qualifiers and the, and always in the, the highest race position of the Nissans in the last couple of years. It must have good to, to actually keep those top tens, but also to see Rick as far up as, as he did as well. I mean, the second and third on the weekend, I mean, that's fantastic. Yeah, look, it's, it's good for everybody, like you said. Uh, good for Rick, uh, particularly, I think he, he obviously had a big milestone on the weekend, 500 races, which... Uh, uh, I think it's, you know, one of six people in, in, to ever do it. So, um, yeah, fantastic achievement and to cap it off with some podiums. Um, yeah, really good weekend for him personally, but there is, uh, yeah, a big contingent of people in our team that, um, you know, I guess work across all, all of our platforms, all of our cars and, um, make it happen all together. And, and I'm sure they take away some uh, satisfaction out of that. Well, what does that do for the morale of the team? Like, what was it like on Monday morning? Everyone getting around with a bit more, bit more of a bounce in their step, a few more smiles around the place. Oh, look, I think it um, it definitely helps them around the team. I and mean, when you talk about sixty people within the organisation, uh, you know, keeping everybody motivated, and and obviously with the direction that we've been heading, um, you know, having those results to keep that uh, that drive and. Uh, you know, knowing that we're we're going, I guess, in the right direction, or we're progressing at least, is uh, you know is, is good for good for us all. And uh, you know, like I said, it's the, the key of all of this is uh, is being able to carry and that momentum into you know the future events. So, Phillip Island's always been a track that has been somewhat kind to the Altimers, but the fact that both yourself and Rick were top five race cars over the course of the weekend is that a reflection of new parts that have been brought on for the weekend, a new development direction, or is it just getting more out of the package that you have at the moment? Oh, look, there's no doubt the circuit suits our car really well. Um, you know, like you said in the past, at least for me, it's uh, it's been a really good track. We've been, at, you know, around the top five in the past. So, um, you know, the way that the category is at the moment in terms of how competitive it is, it's, you know, we saw on the weekend, um, you know, walking shore have been extremely strong, um, you know, at the beginning of this season. And, um, and, you know, and they probably weren't in a position to threaten the race for a win. So it shows how if you're just slightly off what it can do to, you know, I guess your results. The, the category is, you know, as close as it ever has been. So um, you really do need to be on top of your game. And, and these days when you're talking about a tenth of a second, you're, you're probably splitting between, you know, five or six spots on the grid. So, um, you know, that really does uh, determine what's going to happen in the race. So, you, I mean, it was you and Rick who are up there. What, what's wrong with the other two? I mean, you've got a new teammate in, in Andre and Simone has been there for a while, but they, they didn't seem like they were setting the world alight. It was just you, you and Rick at the top. Yeah, it's, uh, look, uh, I guess, again, you know, it, the differences of... Um, probably similar in our team as others. I mean, you look at Scott, he was at least five and a half tenths quicker than his teammate, but the difference is there is Scott's first and Fabian's third. Mm. And I think Simona was roughly six tenths slower than me. So I was six and she was, I think, 20th. So, um, you know, hard to, you know, understand what that is. But I guess in different equipment and different, um, different teams, 
the, the difference in times or the difference between teammates, um, you know, really does separate the di- positions differently. Lewis, what are, you, what, are you, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I can ask Michael uh, what he thought on Nissan's progress, you know, given the sport is so competitive at the moment. Um, do you think that the step forward you guys made there is actually more significant than people realise because, you know, you look at where the cars are year on year and how they get better all the time and the teams that step forward, do you think that, you know, this improvement is also something that can kind of be continued later on in the season? Oh, I hope so. I mean, we, you know, we obviously, um, whether it be this year or the years gone by, we've, you know, we've worked as, we're working no different. We're working as hard as we possibly can to, um, to continuously improve. So, um, I think we have had a good step of improvement from last year to this year. The only difference is, um, I think the Commodores, there's no doubt about it, have improved in the off-season. So the difference there is there's at least, you know, 15-plus cars that have, have a good step of improvement. Um, so that that obviously doesn't show up as well as, um, you know, I guess when only one team or a couple of teams go good. And then you only have to look at uh, Tickford this year. They're probably not as competitive as they have been in the past relative. And, and again, I'm sure they've made improvements, but... You know, it really all boils down to a few tenths. We're all t- separating it between. And um, and that sometimes is, you know, the difference between running in the top five or better or, you know, being 15 from worse. Well, I was going to ask. I mean, it's fa- it's fantastic to, to see you guys up there. Um, are there any tracks coming up that, you can't, that you're worried about or do you think your form will continue? Oh, I think, it's, you know, you'd be ridiculously naive if you weren't worried about every track you went to, to be honest. I think nowadays, um, you know, bar probably one or two or three blokes in the field at the moment that, that are shown they can be competitive at each different circuit um, and those teams, it's everyone else seems to be, I guess, what, what you could say from the outside, not as consistent. Um, and, and, you know, that's there's so many variables involved with that. So uh, for us, it's just important... Um, you know, as I said a bit earlier, that the momentum that we have now from Phillip Island, that we can actually use that as a tool to uh, to keep our results, you know, going really strong. And, uh, you know, with these events at the moment, you know, Perth coming up in only a week's time and then two weeks later uh, being in Winton, if you're on a good run, that really, uh, it does make it easier to sort of keep that momentum going rather than having big long breaks in between races. So probably one of the biggest changes to your squad in the off-season was the arrival of a new technical director, and I'm going to apologise in advance because I'm pretty sure I'm going to butcher his last name, Nick Olilla. Um, yes. Yeah. Yep. Nick Olilla. Close. Nick Olilla. Nick Olilla. Okay. Cool. He's Spanish. <laughs> but yeah, with an American accent. Yeah. Uh, Hola. Diversity is best. I love it. I love it. Um, so... Has this uptick in form been... Can that be directly pointed back to his influence? Uh, look, there's no doubt he's contributing to the team, but, um, you know, I think it'd be unfair to say that the people that we have within the team haven't... You know, like a lot of the stuff we've done, uh, that's been implemented, um, you know, from after the the year that we've just come from. So, um, you know, I think we finished last year quite strong. I mean, we all saw the, the speed that we had at Newcastle and those events, from, at least for myself, that we were running uh, around in the top 10. So, it, you know, we had ideas that we, you know, like every team would have in the off-season that we wanted to uh, implement in our new package. And, 
um, that stuff's obviously all online now. And, and I guess what the difference is is that we've had time to, you know, try to get the most out of what we got, which no doubt it's um, is what everybody's working at. So, you, you know, as I alluded to before, you got Andre in there who's, you know, the new recruit to, to Nissan. How's he fitting in and what does he bring to... What what does he bring to your to the engineering group and to your to the driver's side? Yeah, look, Andre's settling in. It's uh, there's no oh, he shacks up with uh, with Rico in the other in the other truck. So um, those boys travel together, which is good because uh, there's a bit of a different dynamic there. Not having um, I guess the two team owners sort of moving around together, and and obviously having Todd in the garage is uh, has been good as well. I think it's not just for for the guys within the team, but. I think for Todd as well, you know, running the the business, I think that's been a good thing to have him actually in the garage while it's all happening. Uh, for like you said with Andre, I think, yeah, look, he's a young kid that's motivated to uh, to do really well. He's familiar with his uh, with his race engineer, so those guys get along really well because they worked together back at uh, when it was FPR, I think, a few years ago. So they um they they seem to be getting along well, but you know, it's it's never easy for anybody. I mean. To just jump in and uh, and you know to instantly uh, you know I guess create results. So um, I'm sure they're you know they're working hard to uh, to continuously move out the field. Hopefully. So with Todd stepping Ooh. out of the car and being a team owner, tell me you're giving him a, a fair bit of stick. He, do you, I mean, does he does he try and give you driving tips and you say no? Look, I've got this. You just go back to your little seat in the middle <laughs> of the garage. I I can drive. <laughs> no, Todd's never really given me any tips. Um, so, you know, he, he's, he's quite a, you know, he obviously does a lot more watching and, and, and I guess takes note of what's going on within the business now. And, um, you know, particularly on race weekends, it's, I think it's, it's been important for him to see how the team operate and, um, what he, you know, I guess wants to get the most out of. And, uh, you know, I, from, you know, my relationship with him, it, it's, it's been quite good. I mean, this is my sixth season in, within the team. So, um, you know, it's fair to say that, uh, you know, I'm part of the furniture down there. So, uh, we have a good relationship and a good working relationship, which has obviously, uh, been part of, uh, you know, what's, why I've been there for such a long time. Now, boys, I wanted to touch on a couple of things from Phil Pyland that we needed to touch on. Our regular sparring partner, Davey Reynolds, we, we made the bold prediction last week that he would see, that he would finish first and see McLaughlin in his mirrors. He saw McLaughlin in his mirrors for a brief amount of time <laughs> before McLaughlin put the uh, the side shuffle on him and went past him at turn two. He did well. He did well to hold him off because that is something that Dave's been criticised for on occasion. Yeah. But he, he worked quite hard to hold him off for as long as he did. And I was going to say that the the move that McLaughlin put on Reynolds was exactly the same as the move that he put on Winkup the day before. Mm. And... It was it was a carbon copy. It was like they hadn't learnt that that was gonna that was gonna that that was gonna happen. Uh, Lewis, what did you think about McLaughlin's audacious double move? Well, I guess as you as you touched on there on the Sunday, they already had a practice run at it. Um, but I guess to someone like Scott, it's probably more um, putting out a championship marker. I think that he wasn't willing to settle for for second. That he wanted to win these races too, and Obviously, going from pole um, and having to, to reclaim the lead is, is a pretty significant thing. So, yeah, for me, that was him putting down a championship marker. And, and you look at where the, the points stand at the moment, and it's, it's quite impressive. And um, he's done a good job in kind of setting up the battle going into to Perth. Yeah, and I was going to say, look, 
McLaughlin had a you know had a little bit of bad luck as well because he kind of forgot, had a little bit of trouble getting out of garage number one, uh, almost collecting the cone on a couple of occasions. But he kind of felt like he was still stuck in garage three or four to to get out. And he had thought he had more room to get out. But you know they they had a bit of a couple of pit stop dramas with letting everyone go past him before he was able to get out. Surely they've got to sort those out if they're going to be. If, they, if they're going to take the top prize this year. Well, it's just a change of mindset. I mean, it's the thing where now you're in Garage 1, you can look down and have a fair idea of what everyone else down pit lane behind you is doing and then moving accordingly. Yeah. And that's, as we saw on Saturday and Sunday, that's not necessarily... That, if that wasn't something they were necessarily considering. That's, mm. that's an advantage that they earned last year and now have the opportunity to wield. They just need to keep that in mind. Yeah, it's, I was very interested in watching that. I mean, they kind of did it three times. And I was like, ooh, that's... And is, is it just a, a, a Phillip Island issue? Or can you see it being an issue at the other circuits going forward? So when we go to Perth next week? Well, look, guys, I think it's, it's as simple as probably... Uh, you know, they're not obviously haven't been or the, whoever's... Uh, you know, the releasing of cars and, and what have you. And, and obviously they'd run to had a pit stop and, you know, putting a certain amount of fuel in, particularly in the first couple stops. So um, they'll get used to it. It's the simple little things that they will tune up, I would have doubt, you know, would have fought throughout the year. There's there's not much room at Phillip Island pit exit, but at the same time, um, I think you'll find that they'll uh, they'll be able to sort that out. And, and, you know, no doubt that would have been a discussion topic, you know, particularly how close. Because the minute you, uh, you run into somebody or, you know, or something happens like that, you know, you could put yourself in a position where you get a pit lane penalty. So there's no doubt that they'll, uh, they'll be on top of that for a future event. Another, another thing that happened at Phillip Island, your old mate Michael Lee Holdsworth, more, more bad luck on lap one. Tried to get into pit lane at the end of lap one and got turned sideways. Like, what, is, what does he and that team have to do to finally get, find some good luck? Yeah, he, <laughs> he actually nearly took out the front of my car when that was all going on. I was sort of visually, um, you know, watching it happening because uh, he was, you know, I guess to my outside. And as he shot across the front of my car, it was so close to, to uh, you know, running into the front of my car. would have uh, obviously ruined both our races. But, uh, look, motor racing, is, you know, we've seen it all before where, unfortunately, you know, sometimes things go your way um, really well and sometimes they don't. And, um, you know, you've just got to... You've got to be, you know, stick it through the hard times, and and unfortunately, it seems like in uh, in all sport there's more there's more lows than there is highs, and uh, you've just got to uh, you know ride those those uh, ups and downs through it. Yeah, because Lee had a pretty good year, I thought last year, and and for a one car team, they really picked up their performance. So it's quite a shame to to see him struggle a little this year. But I think you've also got to consider that you've got a new engineer, um, it's a new car. These are the kind of things that are are difficult for a, a, a one car outfit. So if you put it in a bit of context, it's, it's not all bad. But yeah, it's, it's certainly not worth writing the season off for them because there's still a lot of potential in that package. And, and they did show that last year. Indeed. Well, you look at the dramas they held on Friday with having to replace three different splitters and then the exact, and a similar issue with the front splitter occurring again on the Sunday. Like, that's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, that unfortunately seems to be one of the common themes of the early part of this year with the ZB front splitter, mm. with several teams encountering that. Nick Perkat, his weekend being badly affected by that as well. Well, LeBron had the same thing. Because well, they went there in 
um, during the shakedown testing, BJR. Mm. Their cars down there for that exact issue. Yeah. Well, they certainly shook it down. They shook the front off it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was another thing Nick said on the radio at one point. Derek. I can't remember if it was. It was when he first had the issue on the Saturday. He said, "Like it's it's worse than it's worse than when we were here at the shakedown." So, hopefully, hopefully those teams will have figured something out in the break as to what BJR in particular, like what's triggering it for them. Same with Preston Hire. Well, it, I mean, is it exclusively the GRM front splitters, or is it? I mean, I. Well, as I said over the weekend, there's a lot of different variables in it. It's not just the construction; it's also the way it's mounted and sure. all the various other parts of it. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, some of the other stuff that happened on the weekend was, and I w- I was shocked more than anyone on on the Saturday night at Phil Island when my phone pinged and saw that Wing Cup had got his pit lane penalty for. Uh, Engaging the speed limiter early, coming out of uh, or disengaging it. Well, yes, yeah. yes, hitting the hitting the button accidentally before he got out. Um, what did you make of that? Was it a fair penalty? Is it is it a? I'm not going to say a square up, but is it the same as the McLaughlin penalty from Newcastle? Are we judging them both equally or separately? Lewis, what do you well, think? It's, it's in the rule book. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I, I totally defer to Michael on this one. Like, is it hard to maintain 40 without a limiter? Well, you, you, it wouldn't matter. Even if you did, you'd still get pinned for it. Mm. And the rule states that you actually have to engage the, the limiter button um, on entry and, and obviously not before you cross the 40 line on the way out. So even, even if you managed to do that, you'd still get done for it. Um, the one thing that, su- that surprised me about it is... And not knowing the mechanisms that are in place to police this, why it took until after the race for this to be an issue. I mean, you look back at and listen to, you watch the vision, you listen to the onboard, and you hear the rev spike, you watch the telemetry data show, oh, it's gone from 40 to 46. Why it took until after the race for this to to come up? Well, is it funny? Do you, do you guys get to ask questions of the officials and, and, and I guess the people implementing those? Um, no, well, we can it's ask funny them. because I guess everybody, yeah, oh, I guess, yeah. you know, in other sports, there's press conferences in AFL and what have you, and, and obviously, you know, when that, the way they come to make a decision and how they do it um, is, you know, well publicised, everybody understands it. But, um, yeah, I, you know, I'd probably like to see that even in our sport. I don't know if you guys agree, but, um, you know, they're obviously big parts of our sport in terms yeah. of, you know, changing results around, it'd probably be a good thing. And, and I think the people would probably um, like to see it. I, I, I mean, you guys could probably put it to everybody and people listening to the show. But, um, you know, I'd be interested sometimes to hearing how, uh, you know, how they go about it and, and how it's uh, analysed. Yeah, look, I'd love well, to, to hear from Baird if there was a decision or something that was a bit controversial about why they came to that, why they came to that outcome. I've actually seen the, the data collection system that they use during the, um, the races and everything, and you've also got to consider how much is going on at the time um, when you've got a field of 26 cars running. So it's a lot for um, a handful of people to police. Mm. So it's one of those things you really do have to kind of go back after because at the time it's, it's reasonably easy to, to miss. I'm not suggesting this one was human error, but just putting it out there that when you do have so many cars and so many things happening that... Oh, and look, I'd like, after. yeah, and I'd like to say, like, I'm not saying on on this particular 
incident they've done the right or wrong thing. I'm just saying in general, I think for our sport as a, uh, you know, as an added value maybe, you know, no different for us going in depth today about um, about Phillip Island and, and speaking about points. It'd be great to, to have the opportunity to, to hear from, from them about the decisions that they make and, and I guess have their comments on um, on certain things that happen because uh, I'm sure people would love to love to hear from them. And yeah, all transparency is good. Oh, for sure. and goodness knows we'd love to ask the questions as well. Yeah. And ultimately, it's are you guys allowed to ask some questions? Well, we're always allowed to ask. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, like... well, there you go, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Challenge for Barbara Gallo. Challenge. Because I guess one of the thing is like if we're gonna. And it's risky doing this, drawing the comparison with McLaughlin penalty, which was carried out in, which was judged upon. Of course, a different style, different style of offence. So that was different to adjudicate on in race, but it was, and a penalty handed down. If you look at if Wincup had a, had received the penalty in race as well, come in for that pit stop, that would have had a very that would have had a different impact overall on the rest of his race than if he just had a time penalty added at the end. Because if he has to come back in and actually serve a penalty, he gets dropped in behind a bunch of cars that impact his race strategy and so on and so forth. So he may not have ended up 14th at the end of that race. So I don't know whether there's a... I guess one of the things, if we are able to ask questions, is whether it's as much us asking questions of why these things happen as also potential opportunities to learn and implement better ways of ways of doing this sort of thing. Well, you know, we're always looking for ways of to have more transparency, so I don't see why we, we couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> let's, get, let's get bunker. <laughs> <laughs> the supercars bunker. Um, You've already, yeah, like a Fox Sports. <laughs> Special guest, Tim Schenken and uh, Craig Baird. <laughs> podcast, I think. <laughs> Surprise if they're, not, if they're not ringing us already. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of Triple Eight, they had a little bit of uh, some inter- intra-team rivalry across Saturday and Sunday. A little bit of uh, communication on the radio back and forward uh, between Lowndes and Van Gisbergen and, and a few other interested parties. Uh we won't call them team orders because that's probably not completely correct. Exactly. Well, it wasn't a team order. Uh, but uh, what, what would you call it, Will? Shane being generous. Like it, it was Shane playing the team game, which he has done on a lot of occasions sure. for that team. And he's figured, well, look, Lounsey's running me down. He's got pace that would probably allow him to get up to the back of Rick, maybe, and potentially get a triple eight car onto the podium, another triple eight car onto the podium. I'll say, look, off you go, son. Have a crack. But if you can't, I want my position back. And that's what, that's exactly what he offered. Sure. Lounsey didn't seem too uh, happy about it on the Saturday night that he was, uh, you know, given that he had to give the position back. But we touched... He'd this... been out of practice. <laughs> <laughs> This was touched on in Trackside on Sunday afternoon in terms of the transcript of what was to- what was told to each driver and the communication back and forth between the engineers. But the timing of that was is relevant as well because Craig was told that the deal was he'd have to give the position back. He wasn't told straight away, though. So whether that had an influence on his level of frustration or not, I don't know. But... For for mine, I don't think that was team orders. That's just the drivers 
It's playing playing the team game, which is different. Sure. And and not outside given the way the team orders rule is written in the supercars operations manual, definitely not close to triggering team orders violations there either, I thought. Yeah. So so Michael, I mean I guess you guys no disrespect, but haven't been you know, haven't had all your cars fighting up the front for a while. But is that something that you talk about before the race when you sit down and have your pre brief about possible situations? Uh, no, no, we don't, we don't have um, those discussions. And I think, um, I guess for, for myself and Rick, we've probably been around long enough to understand how the sport works and, and how, um, you know, I guess as drivers, you know, what, what's going on. I mean, we're the best positioned in most of the time to, to understand, um, at least at the last part of the race, you know, when everybody's just going hell for leather to get the best spot they can. Um, you know, who's fast, who's not fast. and um, But, yeah, again, you know, it's, it's hard to... They're always tough, that the those type of calls. They were going to favour one person, clearly, um, because if they didn't, it, um, you know, they, we wouldn't even be bringing it up. So, um, I guess, in, uh, you know, over a 16-event uh, championship, there's going to... I'm sure it'll come back the other way, and, and it seems to always do that, so... Um, the important thing about team is, uh, at least, you know, how I operate is that you, uh, we work cleanly together, um, and, you know, which we do, we seem to do well, which, uh, which always works. And, um, you know, sometimes you can help each other out and other times, uh, you know, it'll come back and pay in spades. Now, another little bit of, uh, news around today is, uh, or this week has been, uh, Tickford announcing their Enduro Cup drivers. Uh, so Frosty, and I forget who Frosty is with, but... Dean Canto, Frosty same person he's Dean been Can- with the last couple That's of years. That's right. That's it's the one combo that didn't actually change. change. I was going to say, because Moffat and uh, Mostert are together. And, uh, Michael, you've been, uh, you know, uh, working with uh, Moff the last couple of years. Do you, how do you think he's going to go with, with Mostert? Yeah, they, I mean, look, the whole lineup seems really strong. And, um, yeah, I know for, you know, like you said, with Moff, he's obviously... Uh, very, very familiar with uh, with Bathurst. He's done very well there in the past, as is Chaz. So you think they're going to be one of the hot favourites when it comes to at least uh, the Enduros. Um, you know, I think it would be hard to look past them as, as not one of the favourites. So um be interesting to watch how they go. I was going to say, because, you know, Mostert's really been that shining light at Tickford this year. The other three guys have had troubles. Um so uh, you know, come Bathurst time, hopefully they've got their their act together on the on the the, the newish tire, sixteen tire, whatever we're going to call it. You know, we go back to the that tire for for this year, which they've st- struggled on in the past. But Most it's really been that shining light at Tickford this year. Well, equally, I think one of the sensible things that they've done is to pair Steve Owen up with Richie Stanaway, someone who heads to Bathurst this year for their 20th start in the great race and clearly has a lot of experience with those tyres, these cars and that place and all and all the other places that we go to for the Enduro Cup this year. Because I think that's probably something that might help Richie out, like have that, that added experience of someone in your car trying to, like, helping you out, as a, which is different to being, I get, I would have thought, being one guy in your car in a four-car team. It's interesting that you say that Steve Owen is doing his 20th campaign this year. It feels like he's been around forever. 
It feels like... Well, that number would indicate It feels yes. like he's been around for 20 years. Yeah. Well, no, I was going to say... <laughs> <laughs> no, but more than that, it feels like the Enduro moved from Phillip Island to Bathurst, and that was Steve Owen's first start. That was 10 years ago. Well, 1963. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> That's exactly what I was alluding to. Uh, he looks good for someone who's 74. I oh, know. It feels like... It just it, it, He's someone that you... Feels that's like he's like, always been there. That's one of the funny things. I was reading through the embargoed announcement last night and thinking, wow, that's his 20th start. It's David Russell's 10th start in the great race this year. Feeling old. Because, <laughs> I mean, these guys, you know, have been around the main game a lot of time, but, you know, mostly, you know, in, as Enduro Cup specialists. It's just they, they, it's one of those the names that you just expect them to be there year after year after year. Along with Greg Ritter was another one of those guys. Oh, yes. Um, who you just expected that he was going to be there. What was it, the world's fastest plasterer or something? Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> he was. I did a Bathurst with him. I thought you were. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, world's fastest plasterer. He, he was a guy that um, you didn't see him all year. would turn up to the, uh, the, the pre-enduro test, as it is, and... Uh, get in and be, you know, on the pace and <laughs> he just, you know, he just got it done. There was no fuss about him, um, which was good and he, he was, he did a good job. And like you said, there's a lot of a, a lot of the co-drivers that do a really good job to, to actually just get in these cars and be competitive, uh, particularly, you know, when you're only doing it uh, for a few events a year. So, um, yeah, was, I think you're, you're right. I think that's probably, seems like a good move and, and I'm sure they're, uh, they're happy with uh, their lineup because uh, there's no doubt they would have, uh, you know, like most teams, everybody's on to their co-drivers earlier than ever. Pretty much as soon as Bathurst is over, everybody's, um, you know, trying to sort it out. So on that, are you uh, pleased that Dean Fiore is doing a Super 2 campaign this year? Yeah, I, you know, I was extremely happy when uh, when he told me he was going to do that. I mean, clearly it's, uh, you know, we've seen it work really well with at least Paul Dumbrell and, and a few others. So, um, you know, I have Dean driving not only uh, in a supercar, but the car that's effectively very similar to mine uh, is going to help come, um, you know, come October, hopefully. And uh, and that's, uh, you know, something that he recognised for the last couple of years that he would like a little bit more uh, seat time. So, um, yeah, it really does help out. I was going to say very similar. He was saying at the start of this year that he also, he's got everything set up identically to how yours is. So, like, right down to the seat dimensions and position of the seat. Makes a lot of sense. Mm. Yeah, so, I mean, look, the uh, I guess what you could call uh, Matty White's team, like the junior team for us, that uh, you know, with at least um, the three drivers, you know, going to be teaming up. It's uh, I think it's good. It's going to help out um, not just them, but it helps us out in terms of you know having them driving all year and in cars that um, that are similar to ours. And you know, I guess uh, you know when it, when it comes to the crunch and there's a bit of pressure on them. And they've been driving. That's uh, that's normally when you can see the difference. Now, there's a couple of other bits of news that have been floating around the last week that we probably should talk about. The Sydney Night Race is getting ever closer, and it's been announced that we're racing on the short circuit. The Druitt circuit. The is Druitt that, is circuit. That what it's called? Yeah. Sure, let's go with that. It's fine. Um, what do you think about us racing on the on the short circuit? I can definitely see positives out of it. For a, for a start, if you're a fan trackside, you see the cars a lot more often. There's, they're they're not going to disappear around the back towards Corporate Hill and into the darkness and into the into nothingness for a good twenty five seconds. 
So you'll see, and as a result of the shorter lap, you'll see them go past a lot more as well. So those are definite positives. Um, I'm curious, though, Michael, you're probably better to answer this one than, than me who races a, a chair. Um, how hard is it to pass on that short circuit? <laughs> uh, well, that's that's the uh, the big question. Um, clearly, by making the track shorter, you're reducing the passing opportunities without a shadow of a doubt. Um, that's pretty easy to work out. But I've, I've never had to pass anybody uh, on the left-hand side going into turn four before. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine uh, anyone's tried. I'm not sure if they've done many races uh, of that circuit, uh, in my my knowledge. So, uh, look, it, it's not going to be easy to pass. Uh, clearly, turn two is going to be your best passing opportunity. Um, I'd like to understand, I guess, the uh, the format for the weekend because that'll give us a better idea of, you know, I guess how strategy will play out and what opportunities that'll bring in the race. But um, I guess after you you come down into what will be turn four, uh, you couldn't think there's going to be many opportunities after that until you get back around to two, um, you know, unless there's a, a big tyre disparity. Are you saying, Michael, yeah, uh, that you've never raced at the at the uh, the ride days? Never, never had a little sneaky. Uh, uh... <laughs> no, we, we're, well, we not look. To be honest, we have when we do our ride days. Clearly, we've got passengers in the car, so um, you know, safety is paramount. At least I I treat it that way. So, <laughs> um, you know, when you've got somebody in your passenger seat and you're running around with other cars you, you've got to be careful and, and you know most of the time the co-drivers are in the car and um, you know everybody's driving around on tyres that probably aren't you know in the best condition so uh, yeah it, it will be an interesting event I mean I am looking forward to it uh, nonetheless I think the event itself you know being under lights it, it has all the uh, all the stuff that to make it uh, at least a, a spectacular viewing piece because um, you know our car's running around at night I mean we haven't seen it since um, Australian Grand Prix, um, that's a little pun for you. Yes. But uh, yeah. obviously, uh, you know, it wasn't. What was it late nineties? I think colder was in the dark, and you know, that's that type of stuff where our sport needs to head. I think because um, you know, it clearly will get more uh, more eyes on the screen, and at least people can uh, that want to come out and see will have uh, something good to watch. I would have thought. Yeah, I just want to echo Michael's sentiment there because um, I've actually been around the short track with him. And I remember when we got there and, and James Moffat was there and he's like, oh, you've got the guys from Auto Action in your car. And you were just really polite and, and very gentle around the lap. And it was, you know, a pretty... No, are you saying I'm not gentle when, uh, when I'm... <laughs> no, I'm, I'm saying... I'm... That's what all the commentators would tell everybody, yeah. at least. <laughs> <laughs> you've got your kung fu moves and all that. But... <laughs> How were yeah. the gear changes it's from good. up close? They're fast. They're still fast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, geez, that's only at 40%. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's a good track, and the hope is that it'll be good for Sydney as well. Um, they needed to do something for mm. the Eastern Creek or Sydney Motorsport Park because it didn't really have anything unique about it, and they used to get bigger crowds for the test day than the race weekend. So I... hopefully this one-night thing, even though it's in winter, yeah. Will, um, will work for them. I think the Sydney Siders came out to the test day because it was free. I don't know if yeah, they like... Yeah, we'll have a good freebie here. Yeah, I don't think Everything they like... Everything's so expensive in Sydney. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other bit of news was the Newcastle circuit has been uh, drawn up and it's there's some light rail tracks that go through the middle of 
through one of the, the corners. Uh, Michael, is this going to be an issue, do you think? Uh, no, I wouldn't have thought so. I think, at least nowadays, I mean, you know, we do, we have been at other circuits that have had um, railway, cross, railway crossings as such. So Townsville's a track where there was um, existing railway crossings and they sorted that out. Uh, I mean, I would have thought these days with the technology we got, we could, uh, we, I mean, we could be on top of it. But, um, I mean, the key benefit is they're aware of it, <laughs> which sounds silly. So, uh, you know, when we get there before, you know, November, somebody's, um, you know, acting on it. But, uh, you know, it, it's, I think, to be honest, outside of the racing, having that light rail system, uh, and, you know, I was fortunate enough to go up there as, um, Robson, who are one of my sponsors, are actually uh, the project managers for the job. So they, the way the light rail system is going to run through that city, um, it's going to be really good to get the people into the racetrack and uh, and get them out and, and move people around. So I think it, um, I think you know things like that light rail system are showing already the benefit of having supercars at the at Newcastle and seeing the investment from the government shows that. Uh, you know that they uh, they're obviously enjoying what we're what we bring to Newcastle, and hopefully we can continue to make it bigger. I was going to say because we saw a photo of you standing on an excavator up there during the week on um, one of the streets. Um, it, how's the how's the progress up there? Yeah, it's going really well. It's uh, it's scheduled to finish up in September, so um, you know that's uh, that's all going well. They haven't had many rain days, and, and you know weather affecting it, so they're pretty happy with how uh, you know how it's been. Um, and like I said, you know that I guess the the, the end result is is something that'll be beneficial for for not just Newcastle all year round, but um, you know when we come into town with uh, you know that hopefully two hundred plus thousand people that uh, will be attending the event. And boys, we're off to off to Perth next week. Uh, short another short circuit, the new qualifying format again. Michael, what did you think about it? Yeah, look, it's it's tough. There's no doubt about it because you, you really do have to balance um, actually testing and and trying to improve your car to obviously making sure it's you know as quick as it possibly can be in those two forty five minute sessions because um, you know they can benefit you quite a lot. And I think, uh, you know, at least in my opinion, this weekend it will benefit the top ten more than um, any other track we go to all year. And the reason is. Uh, the high degradation or tyre degradation that we see at Barbagello, uh, if you can make it into the 10, that means you sit out at least one qualifying session. So um, very, very beneficial. And uh, I think uh, I think you'll see uh, the difference will, will show show up in the races having, um, you know, those top 10 not at least not using one set uh, relative to everybody else. So obviously at Perth you're going to win. So who's going to be in your rear vision mirror? Well, 25 other cars. <laughs> I don't care who it is. <laughs> Rick, Andre, Simona. <laughs> um, yeah, that'd be great, wouldn't it? Imagine that. But um, no, look, uh, it's, it's going to be a hard weekend. What makes little tracks or, I guess, shorter circuits difficult is um, the disparities even smaller in between, uh, you know, 1st and 26. So um, everyone's going to, you know, coming out guns blazing, I would have thought, on Friday for that, um, you know, pre-qualifying because, uh, yeah, ultimately that can set you up for a good weekend. And, um, you know, we love going to Perth. You guys know you've been there. 
the uh, the turnout we get from everybody in the West is uh, is fantastic. Well, I, I, we know you're a big football fan, Michael. Um, Juventus, can they hold on this year? <laughs> oh no, don't, I, I didn't think this would get brought up in a supercar show. But, uh, look, I'm I am stressing at the moment. I mean, being one point in the lead uh, with a you know handful or less games to go, and losing the other day. I know losing against the team that are coming second. It's yeah, it hasn't been a good uh, a good I guess few weeks for us. So um, let's just hope we can um, get this uh, these last few games done with uh, a few wins. We're actually I guess every week's a big game um, when you're at this stage of the season. But um, we're playing into this weekend, uh, so it's it's a big uh, big big game. Um, it's a derby effectively, so it's uh, it'll be interesting, no doubt. What's more stressful, being a Juve supporter or being a supercar driver? A uh, Juve supporter, well, <laughs> just a football fan in general, to be honest. <laughs> well, you, you, you switch codes a little bit. I mean, you're, you're a Manly supporter and they're doing not so well at this point oh, in time geez. as well. You guys are hammering. It's going to be a nice, cruisy interview. We just, you know, talk about good, happy things. Uh, <laughs> well, he did for most Manly. of it. Let's... <laughs> Sorry? the Dragons. Yeah. <laughs> who, who do you guys support that we can bring up? Let's <laughs> talk about the dragon. Uh, yeah. All right, uh, let's get back on track. Uh, we'll, the, the Broncos are doing well. What are you talking about? We so beat the South Cowboys last night. We're right. Um, give me a tip for Perth, Will. Um, since I, I managed to get the last one right with McLaughlin, I'm just going to stick with Scott McLaughlin. Okay, great. Consistent. I, that's that's a word for it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lewis, what about you? Uh, I always pick Shane because I always expect him to do well, and he just sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. He's famously inconsistent, so um, I'm still going to back him because on his day, he's just great, great to watch. All right, well, because you two guys are gone, Triple Eight and Penske, I'm going to go. You're going Reynolds, aren't you? I am going to go Reynolds. Uh, I'm going to go Reynolds to upset upset the the two uh, the two heavyweights um, and. Uh, Hopefully he's taught his mechanics how to catch the champagne when he gives it to them off the podium, unlike Grand Prix where they dropped it and smashed. That's just so, practice. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. He should have plenty of that. Uh, the drivers... Like Scott in the pit lane. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they should, yeah, do that with pit stop practice. Podium practice. practice. Yeah. Podium practice. There's something in that. Uh, the Supercar Drivers' Championship, Scott McLaughlin leads on 947, with our mate David Reynolds 60 points behind, Van Giersbergen 98 points behind, Lowndes 134 points behind, and Wing Cup, after that penalty and disastrous Saturdays, 142 points behind McLaughlin, which is almost uh, almost heading into the territory of, of a race win, uh, a full race win. So, uh, And the team's championship, Triple Eight, uh, leads uh, Penske by 45 points. Will, thank you. It's been great talking supercar rubbish with you this week. Anytime. <laughs> Let's do it again after Perth. Uh, Lewis, always great to have you on. Thank you, boys. And Michael, always great to, to see you and, and chat to you when we can. Thanks for joining us and uh, chatting some uh, rubbish on the Fox Motorsport Supercar Podcast. Well, no, thank you, guys. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, uh, whether it be... Uh obviously on the podcast or uh, in pit lane. And um, to all the listeners, thank you very much. It's uh, been a pleasure to let you hear the sound of my voice. <laughs> you, are, you are the style master of supercars. On that note, 
Uh, thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify and all the other apps. You can get us on all the podcast things. Uh, thanks for listening, and we will talk to you again after Perth.